Our Old Testament reading this morning, a, a brief reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In the seventh chapter, he is describing uh, a vision that he has had. And in Daniel, uh, we come across a number of reports of visions that the prophet has. This one is tied in to our New Testament reading, and so it is prescribed for this morning. And I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. The New Testament reading comes to us from the book of Acts. This is the very beginning of that book. The first chapter, the first 11 verses. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven. Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Whatever the date happens to be today, we are going to celebrate the ascension of the Lord. It's an event which reportedly took place 40 days after his resurrection. That would have been, if you pull out your calendars, this past Thursday, but Today is the nearest Sunday, so welcome to the Ascension of the Lord Sunday. Our readings from the book of Acts records for us just what transpired that day. Jesus had 
bodily risen from the tomb that first Easter morning, 40 days before, and since then he'd been walking the face of the earth, mostly in and around Jerusalem. He had shown himself to his friends, to the disciples, and to the women, and in fact, to several hundred other witnesses in that time. As a result of all this, Jerusalem was disturbed, and all Israel with her. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The climactic events that were observed by Luke were, in many ways, the closing of a chapter in Christian history. For up to this moment, the key figure of this new faith movement was present among his people. As of this moment, no longer was that the case. Jesus was taking leave of the peoples of the earth, both those who knew of him and those who did not. While our reading conveys the sense of shock and awe that accompanied this holy moment among those present, it is equally true that those who were on hand that, that day should not have been completely gobsmacked, for Jesus had telegraphed this event. At some point in time, he had taught them it would become necessary for him to depart and to return to the Father. At some point, the disciples had been invited to step out into this next phase of their ministry. They didn't know when it was going to be. Maybe, maybe Jesus knew and maybe only the Father knew, but Jesus wasn't telling. All he would tell them is that the time would come and he was preparing them for it. This was the time. Jesus was departing and his followers had to make some tough decisions in his absence. Should they return to their nets and their shops and their booths and their pre-Jesus lives? Or should they be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth? Looking back on the ascension, it can truly be said that it marked both the end of one chapter, or one book, and the start of another. We have evidence that this is literally the case by the fact that what we are reading this morning is the very beginning of the book of Acts. This is how Luke ends the first volume of his writings as well. It's now known as his gospel. The same way he begins the second volume of writings to this friend he calls Theophilus. What we read this morning are the first words of this new chapter in this new book. This event that's documented in the gospel according to Luke varies slightly with the way it is retold at the beginning of Acts. But both accounts tell us the story of how Jesus' earthly ministry is being closed. And then... Luke retells this story. He wants us, if we didn't read the first one, uh, to know what happened. Or if we had read the first one, he wants to remind us what has happened. 
Acts stands at the beginning of the whole rest of the New Testament writings which testify to who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus shall be. It's a huge pivot point in the timeline of the followers of Jesus and his teachings. The event is important enough in the life of the church that the editors of the Revised Common Lectionary include this or another account as readings each and every year on this Sunday. The Feast of the Ascension has been celebrated as a high holy day in our tradition for centuries, going back to the very earliest generations of the faithful. And this year, as our attention turns once again to that fateful day so long ago, we come to this text from a somewhat similar place ourselves. For we too find ourselves, somewhat metaphorically, at at a chapter break. We are at the end and we are at the beginning in many ways. Just this week, as you all know, the federal government revised once again their guidelines for precautions during the pandemic. Large segments of the population have gotten what amounts to an all clear when it comes to mask wearing and social distancing. In this country, it seems as if we are finally getting a handle on this virus, and it may well be that we are turning a corner. At least a light now seems to be visible at the end of this very long tunnel for us. Coincidentally and relatedly, I would argue that we in the church are also at a chapter break of sorts, This past week, I participated in the monthly Committee for Ministers and Congregations Committee meeting for the Presbytery. Among the topics of discussion was sort of a what's next round table, which I thought was providential, as that's the theme I had been weaving into many of the sermons I had preached since Easter. So it's been on my mind quite a bit lately. In the larger context of the discussion that we were having this past week, it was, it was what's next in terms of the reopening process for the churches in this region, this presbytery that spans between we at the southern end and they in Wilmington and environments in, environs in the north. Uh, many of those churches have had their doors closed for the last 17 months and are now thinking about how to safely reopen. And so the conversation that we were having this past Thursday and the church festival that we celebrate this day have helped to guide and direct me in seeing the church's present moment as living in her own chapter break, so to speak. We are both at the end and at the beginning. And we here in Rehoboth, we also, I think, are at a chapter break. We now have everyone back from their winter accommodations. And for those of you whom I haven't seen until just now, well, welcome back. It's good to see those faces in the pews this morning. Uh, The elders have been soliciting and receiving your input into making some decisions affecting the life of this congregation. And as a result, we are going to be adjusting the way that we serve communion 
starting next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. We will be adjusting our worship hours beginning June 6th and continuing on until after Labor Day. And we were going to start to begin to make plans for an early October homecoming event. There are also some more structural changes happening at this time. Some of them are fairly plain to see, such as the, the new faces that have been in our pews and our choir lately. Uh, while for many of us, uh, we might think this is unremarkable, here at Rehoboth, right, uh, this is remarkable. We are, we are not most churches. Uh, other changes that have been going on may be less apparent, but are taking place nonetheless. We have been adjusting the size of the session and our bylaws accordingly. We have altered the number of meetings that we uh, have for the session on an annual basis. And such moves, uh, I, I hope, have been laying the groundwork for even more substantial sorts of changes that we are about to enter into. And... As we are in the midst of a season of change, let me affirm and acknowledge that change can be a little, a little scary, a little unnerving, a little annoying. And Jesus knew this as well. So he spent years, literally, preparing his friends for the changes that were going to be in store for them upon his death. And his final withdrawal from their midst. And even then, he delivered some poignant remarks in his farewell address. And he made a promise to them. He made a promise that he would not leave them orphaned. As a congregation, you may recall, we started praying for both discernment and direction. For a reformation in October 2019. Having no idea where that would take us, only assured that Jesus would lead us. And it seems that it has taken us straight into a COVID pandemic. As we here seem to be coming out the other side of it, this is a perfect time to revisit the map the Spirit is revealing to us. To identify our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria and beyond. Then, we need to ask, will we simply stand and stare up into the sky, content to wait for something or someone like Godot? Will we go back to our nets? Will we be content to conduct business as usual? Or, Will we use the power that has been conferred upon us by the Holy Spirit to commit and recommit ourselves to new ways of witnessing to the risen, living, living and reigning Lord Jesus? These are questions for us to consider as individual Christians, and they are questions that we need to be thinking about corporately as a congregation, the body of Christ ministering in and from old Rehoboth. Such questions 
might be somewhat similar in nature to those the disciples had still for their rabbi, even as he was departing. They probably thought of more after he had gone from their presence. And we, too, have questions. We have questions for Jesus, even if we have read every last word of every last book in the New Testament. I think it's important to note, however, that while they had questions, the disciples also had faith. They trusted in Jesus and the words that he had spoken to them. The rest of the book of Acts details for us just how deep this trust was. They understood his words were true and that they had come to them from the truth. Can we have faith? Can we trust in the truth to carry out the mission that he has for us even when we are struggling with the answers Answers we don't have all of yet. Can we still move ahead even without a 10, a 5, a 3, or even a one-year plan? We, church, we are called, we are equipped to be the body of Christ. Even as the head of of the church, Jesus, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, from there to reign over all things, we have been left with a record of the things that Jesus said and did while he dwelt within his creation, we have been equipped and we have been empowered to carry on his teachings about the kingdom of God and the good works that are a foretaste of that realm. So how has going about such work changed for you since the start of 2020? How has going about this work changed for us since the start of 2020? Which of these changes should we retain? Which should we reject? Which have we been resisting and have yet to allow to take place? These are the sorts of important questions that we are at an opportune time to consider in this chapter break, this time when we celebrate endings and beginnings in the life of Christ and in the life of this church. So as we celebrate once again the ascension of the Lord, may it serve for us as a reminder that while we may still have lots of questions, God has a whole lot of answers. God continues to reveal himself and to be present to us Though the manner in which he chooses to do so can change as he sees fit, we are invited to be open to his presence and his continued leading as head of the body of Christ. And for that, we may truly say thanks be to God and amen.